I wonder if we could turn today uh, to the book of uh, Romans, chapter 15. And we're going to read from verse 17 of the portion of Scripture. Uh, verse 17 of uh, Romans chapter 15. I have therefore, uh, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertained to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel not where Christ was named lest I should build upon another man's foundation, but it is, as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey unto Spain, I will come unto you, for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are, for if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. When therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And I am sure that I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God, and may with you be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts. Let's just unite at the throne of grace in prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we turn to thee in our Savior's precious name, and O oh God, we thank thee for the place of prayer. We thank thee for the exhortation of the apostle here to strive together in prayer. And, O oh God, we come and we seek thy face and we cry unto thee that thou wouldst have mercy upon us and help us to pray. Teach us to pray. Help us, O oh God, as we enter into thy presence 
And, O God, we pray that thou wouldst give us that heartfelt desire in our hearts uh, to come to the throne of grace. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen. My text is verse 30 there. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Now the Bible is full of commands that we pray. We're to come boldly unto the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And we notice that that's not an option, and it's not something that we can take or leave. It is a command of God, and we think of the many commands that we have in the Scriptures. We think of what the Lord Jesus said, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Or in Matthew 26, he says, "'Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation.'" The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Or in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, we hear what the apostle says. He says, pray without ceasing. Or writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2 and 8, he says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And James says in James 5 and 16, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And no doubt you can think of many other uh, verses than the ones that I have quoted. Indeed, the word prayers, prayer or supplication or intercession or, supp- or um, variations of the word to pray are um, many times, six, over 600 times, um, mentioned in the uh, Bible. The Old Testament saints prayed, and the New Testament church prayed, and the Lord Jesus prayed, and Paul prayed, and indeed the Lord Jesus is still praying for us in heaven. So there is no doubt that the throne of grace, the place of prayer, is central to the life of the child of God. You know the old adage that says, no prayer, no blessing, Little prayer, little blessing, much prayer, much blessing. Graham Scroggy, who was a pastor in England, about the time when England began in in the early stages of hardening itself against Christianity, once said, and I quote, one of the greatest mistakes that a Christian can make is to imagine that increased social or spiritual activity can be any compensation for the lack of communion with God. There's time for business, time for pleasure, time for social and Christian service, but no time for that exercise which would give to all those other things power and effect. The simple fact is we must find time to pray or we shall perish. We think of the words of the Lord Jesus in John 15. He, he that abideth in me, uh, and I, uh, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. And so we recognise that we do. I think I recognise that in our own hearts, that without the Lord, without His power, that nothing substantial will be achieved. 
And yet the awful thing is that while we believe that with our head and while we will uh, affirm that with our lips, in many ways we find it so hard to pray. It is perhaps the most difficult thing that we can do is to enter into the throne of grace and cry unto God, no matter how deep our need may be, no matter how much burden we're under, we seem to find it so difficult to pray. We Prayer really is communion. We enter into the presence of God. We come into the presence of the God who loves us and who gave himself for us. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And yet how difficult and hard it is for us to enter into the presence of our God, even though he's our friend, even though he's the one who died, sent his son to die on the cross. We read in the uh, Psalms how that in his presence there is fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And many have experienced that as we've entered into the presence of God, and yet still we find it hard to pray. Yet we're commanded to pray. We're exhorted to pray. We're expected to pray. So why then do we find it so hard? And we struggle at the throne of grace. Well, I want us just to think about that for a few moments today. I want us just to think about the struggle that we have at the throne of grace. And if we can learn something about that struggle and how to overcome it, my, what advances we can have in the work and witness of God and even in our own spirituality. So I want us just to think today about the struggle that we have at the throne of grace. And first of all, I want us to see the commonness of the struggle with the throne of grace. Paul says here in our text in verse 30, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. The word strive there is the word that we get our word agonized from. And it's here, uh, Paul is pleading with the people. He says, I beseech you. He means, I implore you. And he is beseeching these people. These are the people of God. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to the church at Rome as a whole. And he's saying, I implore you to pray, to strive with me, agonize with me in order to get to the place of prayer. And you can see by the way that this is framed, and you can see by the way that uh, the uh, uh, apostle here implies that these people are reluctant. He is pressing upon them that they agonize in the place of prayer. And so we can see, we can infer from that, that this is a common thing. He's imploring these saints as a whole, and through them the word comes to us that we strive in the place of prayer, that we fight through. We think of what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, he says, everything we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. I think of um, a, a, um, a, an interview that appeared in the Belfast Telegraph last week with the Reverend Peter McIntyre from our Clogger Valley congregation. And they asked him various questions. But the last question that they asked in the interview 
is, was if he had any major regrets in his life. And the Reverend McIntyre said, I haven't prayed enough. Now, he said that, but I think that each one of us will identify with that, that we haven't prayed enough. And we can say that with all of our hearts today. And I look at each one here today. And which one of us will say that we have prayed enough? We haven't prayed enough. This is common. I want you to think about the three common ways that we might struggle with prayer. We struggle with consistency in prayer. The problem is that we're up and down. Sometimes we are earnest in prayer. Sometimes we can uh, leave aside the time that is necessary to pray and we enter into the presence of God and we have that sweet communion with God. And there are other times when our hearts become cold. There are other times when busyness enters in. There are other times when we are not striving in the place of prayer. Old John Knox was upon his bed, his deathbed, and he asked for John 17 to be read to him. And he said, I want the scripture read where I first cast anchor. And that was John 17. And as his wife read to him the scriptures, John Knox began to pray. And he prayed for his, uh, the, the, the people around him. He prayed for the church. He prayed for different people. And as he was praying, he passed away and entered into the presence of God. And there he was, the old man of God, and he was praying right up to the very last breath that he drew. How many are like John, the, John Knox? I think that there are few and far between. We need prayer warriors in this day and generation. And we have so few of them. And my, where our consistency in prayer is not there. We can pray for a little time. We can do it for a few months. And then the busyness of life and other things enter in. And maybe we're not just as consistent in the place of prayer as once we are. We struggle with consistency in prayer. We can also struggle with concentration in prayer. When we do actually pray, how often it is that distractions take away our thoughts, we begin to think about the business of the day, or we begin to watch the clock, or we begin to think about an important conversation that we need to have, or we maybe just uh, think about all of the things that happened yesterday, or the things that happened today, or the things that are happening outside uh, the window where we are. And you know, we can struggle for concentration. And we might think, you know, that that's a new thing because of all the distractions we have with the internet and phones and television or whatever it is. There are so many distractions today. But you know, even when we go back into Puritan times, we have the same problem. Richard Steele, an old Puritan, writing back in 1673, wrote a volume, A Remedy for Wandering Thoughts in Worship, an Antidote Against Distractions. John Bunyan, the author of The Pilgrim's Progress, said, and I quote, May I but speak my own experience, and from that tell you the difficulty of praying to God as I ought. It is enough to make you poor blind carnal men to entertain strange thoughts of me, 
For as for my heart, when I go to pray, I find it so reluctant to go to God. And when it is with him, so reluctant to stay with him, that many times I'm forced in my prayers first to beg God that he would take my heart and set it on himself in Christ. And when it is there, that he would keep it there. In fact, many times I know not what to pray, for I am so blind, nor how to pray. I am so ignorant. Only blessed be grace. The Spirit helps our infirmities. And we can identify with John Bunyan. There are many times when we don't want to pray, and then many times when we do pray that we don't want to stay in the place of prayer. And John Bunyan felt that, and you and I, I think, feel that as well. We are wrestling with the flesh. Uh, We have a problem with the flesh. You think of when the disciples were told by the Lord Jesus to wait in prayer as he went into the Garden of Gethsemane. And he came out and he found them sleeping. And he found them distracted. And the Lord said, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we're wrestling against the flesh. And we think of the disciples fighting tiredness and weariness. And you know, if we are fighting weariness all the time in the place of prayer, maybe we should find a time when we're not so weary. If we're fighting distractions all around us, why not get to a place where the distractions are taken away? Oh, how often we fight for um, the uh, concentration in the place of prayer. Something else that is common. Not only do we struggle with consistency and concentration in prayer, but we struggle with the content of our prayer. Aren't there times where we don't know what to pray for? Maybe sometimes we get into a situation where maybe somebody's sick and we don't know whether to pray that the Lord would strengthen them or that the Lord would uh, uh, heal them. Um, Sometimes people are strengthened in the midst of trials Other times, people are brought out of the trials, and sometimes we don't know which to pray for. And it's difficult, and we need to have a discernment of the will of God. We uh, thank God that the Lord helps our infirmities, he says. Likewise, also the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings, that cannot be uttered. And maybe we struggle with the content of prayer. Maybe we need to study the prayers of the Bible. You think of Daniel's prayer in Daniel 9, or Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1, or Ephesians 3, or Christ's prayer in John chapter 17. Or could I give you a little bit of practical advice? Why not come to the prayer meeting and hear how people pray and hear the petitions that they bring to the Lord at the throne of grace and prayer. Now, you can learn bad habits in the prayer meeting. I know that. But mostly, you will learn how God's people pray. And why not come to the prayer meeting and hear what God's people are praying for and how they're praying, and that will help you in the place of prayer. But I want you to see the commonness of our struggles with the throne of grace. This is a common thing 
We all have it, and we all struggle in different ways. They don't want you to think about the cause of our struggles at the throne of grace. Why do we struggle? Well, there are a number of reasons that we could give. The first of them is the fleshly nature that we have. The problem that we have in struggling with prayer is going to last until we get to heaven. It's not going to come to an end. You, you think of the Lord Jesus and his own disciples. And the Lord had exhorted them and he said, watch and pray. And he said, pray. They had had a, an exhortation, a command from the Lord himself. Right at the very uh, mouth, as it were, of the cross. And we find that they struggled, even though they were the Lord's disciples, and even though they had a word of command from the Lord's lips himself, we read that they struggled, and the Lord came out and found them sleeping. And he said, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And there the Lord identifies the problem. It's the flesh. It's the old flesh. He puts himself, he puts his finger on the problem right there. And here were these disciples, this innermost group, and they were still struggling with the flesh. And it doesn't matter how old you may be or mature a Christian you may be. It doesn't matter how close you may be to the Lord, how many years you've been on the road, you will still struggle with prayer because the flesh is struggling against the spiritual part of us. And the old flesh is still there, and there's a rebel, as it were, within us. And he wants, the, the flesh within us will want to stop us doing anything that is spiritual. And you think of what the Lord said here. What, did, what was the remedy? He said, watch. Watch and pray. Watch yourself. Watch what you're doing. Watch how the old flesh is working in you. Watch what is happening in your own spirit. Watch around you. See the things that are happening around you and the things that you need to bring to the Lord in prayer. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. And the flesh will rebel against the things of the spirit. But how we have the remedy that God has given, watch and look to the Lord for strength day by day. But that's one of the first things that will um, stop us in the place of prayer. Then unconfessed sin is another thing. The Bible says in Psalm 66 and verse 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But it's not just that the Lord will not hear me if I come with unconfessed sin. But the fact is that if we have unconfessed sin, and if there's undealt with sin in our life, what does that lead to? It leads to coldness. Our hearts become cold. And one of the things that is first manifested in a heart that is cold is prayerlessness. One of the first things to go in a heart that is becoming cold is the place of prayer. And can I say to you that the prayer meeting is to every child of God, it is a mark of spirituality. The, you should be at the prayer meeting, young or old, no matter what age you are, the prayer meeting is for every child of God. And you should be at the prayer meeting. I can't, can't understand anyone that's involved 
in the work of God and all other things being equal, looking after children, things like that, um, jo jobs that call upon you and all the rest. All, there are different things. But all other things being equal, that you're not at the prayer meeting. And it's an indication, if we are not in the place of prayer, that we have wandered from God. Now, did you pray today? Did you pray yesterday? Did, did, is there a place in your life where you draw near to God and cry unto God and we need to come to God with clean hands and with a pure heart? And someone said, a praying man stops sinning and a sinning man stops praying. And how very true that is. So we need to deal with unconfessed sin. Then there's another thing that will stop us and uh, add to the struggle that we have in the place of prayer, and that's demonic opposition. That's something that's real. We look at the uh, Word of God. You think of the days of Daniel in Daniel chapter 6 and how the decree went out, how the presence and the kingdom of the kingdom, the princes and the governors all conspired together in order to stop Daniel praying, and they made a, a law and a decree that would stop Daniel praying. That was devil-inspired. Devil the devil and his demons are working to bring busyness into your life, to uh, bring shame into your life, in order to stop you praying and seeking the face of God, and he will bring excuses, he will bring laziness, he will bring sins into your life in order to try and stop you. And it has been well said, if the, the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And we have a world in today that is so busy that even God's people can't take time to pray. Something else that may be a cause of our struggle in prayer, and that is disappointment. Maybe you have struggled with unanswered prayer. Maybe there have been times when your prayers have been answered and you know the joy and you know the sense of reassurance that God indeed has heard what you have brought to him. But maybe there are times when there has been no response. Maybe there are times or moments of desperation that you have come to God and it seems as if God has been deaf. I want you to remember the parable of the unjust judge in Luke chapter 18. And I want you to see how the Lord made it clear. He speaks about an unjust judge there and about a widow who comes from time and time and time again. And she gets no for an answer uh, again and again and again and again. But she keeps on going. And when she keeps on going, she eventually gets the answer that she needs. And the Lord doesn't put that parable in there for no reason. He's saying that there are times when it will seem as if the Lord is saying no. There are times when there seems to be a delay, but the Lord is very definitely, he says here, hear what the unjust judge saith. And what did the unjust judge saith? He said, yet because the widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming 
she weary me. And the Lord applies that to our prayer life. He says, even though it may be that there are times when it seems as if the Lord says no, and there may be times when the Lord will say no, when we uh, ask foolishly. But what he's saying is, there are times when I want you to come again, and again, and again, and again. And it may be for a long time that it seems to be that there's no answer. But if you come persistently, I will answer your prayer. That's the message that the Lord is giving there in Luke chapter 18. But sometimes, because of disappointment, we can say something else. Prayer is pointless. Maybe you've said that. And not only because you've been disappointed by prayer, but maybe you have the opinion, well, if God's going to save such and such, they will be saved anyway. And you're um, a false notion of the sovereignty of God. Or maybe you say, well, God wouldn't be interested in the wee things that I bring to him in the place of prayer. God is only interested in big things. I remember speaking to a woman and I discovered that this was her thought that she, she didn't want to pray for herself or she didn't want to pray for the people around her because she felt that that was too small for God. No, we should never think that prayer is pointless. You know, we think of how God extended his mercy to a wicked man named Ahab because of prayer. It says in First Kings 21 verses 27 to 29. And it came to pass when Ahab heard those words that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring evil upon his house. You think of Nineveh, that wicked city. And God was going to destroy it. But after fasting and prayer, God again extended mercy to Nineveh. And in Jonah 3 and 10 it says, And God saw their works. Nineveh fasted and prayed. And God saw their works, and they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he said that he would do unto them, and did it not. There's answer to prayer. There's, there's prayer changing something. Or the days of Hezekiah, God said that he would die. But in Second Chronicles 32 and 26, it says, Notwithstanding Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. Yes, prayer changes things. Prayer makes a difference. Well, one more thing, and I'm going to have to be quick here, and that's the cure for struggles in prayer. The first thing we need to do is deal with our sin, deal with our flesh. Romans chapter 8, verse 13 says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Let me tell you, that if we feed the flesh in our life, we will really struggle with prayer. But what we need to do is to feed the spiritual and put the old man to death within us. 
We need to feed the spiritual part of us. How do you do that? Read the word. How do you do that? Worship the Lord. Be in the place where God is worshipped. We, we think of how good God is, how powerful God is. He's caring, he's kind. He's the righteous, holy God of heaven. And we cannot come to him unless we deal if, with our sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the more time we spend worshiping God and the more time we spend in private devotions with him, the easier we'll find it to pray. So we need to deal with our sin and the flesh. And then we need to recognize the importance of prayer. Like we've just said there, how the prayer works, how prayer changes things, how God has promised to meet our needs in prayer. We come to the treasure house of God when we come in the place of prayer. The Lord said through Paul, be careful, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And you know in these days, many uh, psychologists, counselors will tell you, don't rely upon other people. Don't let other people put their problems upon you. Don't uh, let other people burden you with their uh, wants and desires. And as a result of that, we have a, a society that doesn't want to hear other people's problems. But the Lord always wants to hear your problems. The Lord has said that he will bear you up and carry you through. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. But the third thing that we do in order for a cure in the struggle for prayer is to do what the text of Scripture is saying here, to strive. Strive. Pray when you don't feel like it. Pray when it's hard. Pray when it's tough. Pray when you have a lack of drive in the place of prayer. Pray when you're tired. Pray when you're weary. Pray when you say to yourself, oh, I'll just pray tomorrow. Pray anyway. Pray anyway. We need to strive in the place of prayer. Push yourself to pray. Praying is never an easy thing. But all we need to do is talk. What it is is just talking to our Father in heaven. Our God listens to us. He knows everything that we need before we ask, but he wants to hear our voices. He wants us to ask, Ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. So the Lord is teaching us something that we need to learn, that he wants our fellowship. He wants to hear our voice. And remember this, that the Lord represents us as you pray. He's our advocate. He's our intercessor. He takes the weak prayers that we have, and he um, intercedes and pleads his own precious blood and brings those prayers to the very throne room of God. And God, the Bible, book of Revelation says, puts them into the golden vessels 
that are before the throne of God. You think of no higher place than before the throne of God. And they're put in golden vessels. We underestimate our prayers and undervalue our prayers. But what value God puts upon the prayers of his people. Oh, this, we will struggle with prayer until we get to heaven. There will be no end to the struggle with prayer. You may start out today or tomorrow to pray, and by even tomorrow, you'll be struggling. I'll be struggling. But what does Paul say? Strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. May God teach us to pray and help us to pray in these days. Let's just bow in a wee word of prayer. Time's gone, and we'll just close in a word of prayer. But let the Lord teach us in the place of prayer today. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank Thee for Thy precious Word. We do thank Thee for the truth of it, and we thank Thee for the place of prayer. We're glad, O oh God, that we can bow wherever we may be. Lord, how easy it is just to bow and to seek the face of God, to enter into the presence of the God who loves us and cares for us. And yet, Lord, we know how difficult at times it is to bring ourselves to Thee. O oh God, teach us to pray. Help us to be a praying people even in these days. Part us now in Thy fear and with Thy blessing. Take us to our homes in safety. Watch over us and be with us. For it's in Jesus' precious name I would ask these things. Amen. Amen.